Welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. I am the Daily Nebraskans co-editor of the COVID-19 section. Um, we've just been putting out some COVID-related coverage all year, um, and we will continue to be doing it for as long as this pandemic is a thing. I also do this podcast sometimes with these fine folks. Nice. <laughs> as well as um i'm mia everding i am a graduate student and a co-host of this podcast and yeah uh, as i already said i'm kyle cruz i mainly just host this podcast and write some movie reviews for the dn uh and yeah so we'll just jump right into it with our first segment which is what have i done And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about what what we've been up to for the past week or so, what movies or TV or whatever we've been watching, um, and yeah, whether or not you should also be watching it. Um, so yeah, as usual, David, let's start with you. What have you been watching? Yeah, so I watched watched a decent amount of movies this week. Um, I watched Paul Blart Mall Cop and um, <laughs> The Happy Time Murders, two very bad movies um, that I just kind of had on um, just to make fun of. Um, also watched Zack Snyder Justice League, which Kyle and I get into. Uh, we'll we'll get into a little bit uh, as the main topic of the podcast. Um, and but the one I want to talk about today is The Da Vinci Code. Um, so I've never seen that movie. Um, I my mom is like really into those movies. Um, so I've seen like snippets of it. And I think I had seen like the end of it before. Um, so for those of you who don't know, it's I think it's it's based on a book, um, and it's about. A, I think his name is like, like his name is Robert Langdon, I think, and he is a cryptologist or something like that. Um, and he's just he's a big history boy. He knows he's he just pretty much just knows everything. He knows exactly what the plot needs him to know in this movie. And so pretty much there is like a murder of this um, just like museum guy and like he is called in to kind of help investigate, but then he's like framed for the murder. So he's like kind of, he's on the run while trying to like unravel this conspiracy about um, like the Catholic church and um, like the history of Christianity and like figuring out what the Holy Grail is. Um, and yeah, it's a really like silly movie that takes itself really seriously, which I, which I thought was funny. It's it just, like, it's a big treasure hunt. It's pretty much just, like, national treasure, but, like, less so for kids, I think. Um, he just, you know, he's, he's figuring out puzzles. Um, there's a lot of him, like, looking at, like, a wall or some code and then being, like, I should have thought of this before. And then he'll, like, just, like, <laughs> like think of everything in the moment. Oh, it's Tom Hanks, by the way. Tom Hanks yeah. is, is the main guy. Um, and so uh, he, has a, he, has a, he has a big mullet. Kind of, like, it's kind of a mullet. He has, he has very luscious hair um and yeah it's just it's it's not like a great movie but i like enjoyed it uh paul bettany's in it he's like kind of the villain um and he's pretty good um and yeah it's just it's a it's a big silly movie i think it's directed by ron howard yeah i think um, so and there's there are like three of these i know i know um so i think i might just check out the other one just, just did they actually make the other movies or because i know that like the book series is really popular but i i definitely was under the impression that they never actually made any more but yeah. maybe they did yeah there, there's the vinci code angels and demons and inferno 
Uh, I have seen Inferno. Nice. Actually, <laughs> really, it's, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I watched that when it came out. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, that's, yeah. it's a, it's technically a sequel to that. Yeah, because doesn't he like have amnesia in that? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It was um, really bad, and I kind of scrubbed it from my memory well, immediately. They're after making it. a fourth one. So, wow. Yeah, and like I think all of them are like equally disliked in jet. Like just like yeah. they're not really critically acclaimed, but I think they just make money because they're generally fun and exciting movies um so Hmm. yeah interesting don't bother don't mind me as i look up my i reviewed inferno (laughs) on my on my blog in high school (gasps) wow i gave it two out of ten it's it's not good wow so how old were you when you saw that so this was october of 2016 so i was a wee boy yeah a wee boy i was 17 okay interesting yeah. Yeah, and I remember like was, this movie yeah. and book series. I remember being like very taboo, like growing up in a Catholic school because it's very much like, did Jesus have a wife? Maybe, and and, and, I, <laughs> and, and like the Catholic Church, just all the Catholic schools I went to were just like, don't read this book. It's blasphemy. <laughs> so um, golly. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely something. It yeah. is. He has a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, the Da Vinci Code. Is that higher or lower than you expected? That is much lower. I anticipated it to not have, like, a super high score, but I felt like a 50-something would have made sense. I don't think it's, like, that good. <laughs> I think it's, like, a pretty solid action. Uh, Ian McKellen's in it, by the way. Um, he's, like, an old professor who helps them figure things out. That so. sounds like Ian McKellen. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah. I, I liked it. It's not, like, great, but I, I thought it was pretty good, so. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Mia? What have you been watching? Uh, well, on Sunday, I watched, um, I after my prediction last week that I would not see really any of the Oscar-nominated just for anything uh, movies, that was a clear sentence, I was like, nope. I'm going to not do that, and Pieces of a Woman is on Netflix, so I figured that I would give it a go. And um, the main actress, whose name I'm blanking on right now, she is nominated for Best Actress. So I decided that I would give it a watch. Vanessa Kirby. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, it was grueling. Um, I knew going into it that it was going to be hard to watch because it's about a home birth. And like from the get go, like in the description, it's like a home birth gone wrong. So I'm like, okay, something is going to go terribly wrong here. Um, and the opening sequence basically is like a 23 minute, um, like sequence of her giving birth, which I snapped you guys and I was like, yeah, I never want to have children because that was (laughs) harrowing. So so that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we kind of got that snap with like, I, I don't remember getting any preface for that. I, I definitely prefaced I it. Do, I just remember you saying, like, I don't want kids. <laughs> I, was like, All right. I was like, okay. okay. Maybe that snap didn't go and through. And then David made the incredible joke Thank that you. you have to have kids so that you can then be Mamma Mia. Yep. I've heard this joke for 23 <laughs> really? years. Damn it. Yeah, it's not thought, that original. That was an original good, it made, funny It made joke. me laugh. Thank you. It made me laugh a lot. Like, I was like... I was, like, very stressed, and then I just, like, thought of that joke, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) mamma mia. Can piss me off. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it was just 
really, 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 really hard to watch. Um, and the home birth happens like right at the beginning. And so I thought mm-hmm. if this is at the same level like of intensity for the rest of the movie, it's going to be hard to get through. Um, and I think it started out very strong, but then you kind of see, I don't want to give spoilers away, but you see just kind of these characters like falling apart and it's just very dark and there's not much redemption and it is very, very sad. Um, I definitely can see why Vanessa was um, nominated for Best Actress. I think she did phenomenally and I I don't really have anything else to like judge her by, um, but I... I think if you go into watching it or if you watch it, go into it with just like the mindset that it's very harrowing, I think. And it, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was tough to watch. Um, I also looked up the directors and I believe it's a duo who's the directors or maybe it was the writers, but they're like a couple in real life who like lost a child. So it's kind of not autobiographical biographical but it's loosely based on their story so that made it even more i think just tough tough pill to swallow so um yeah and then i also watched big hero six last night because i wanted something dumb and i haven't seen it in years well just like light and fluffy and like not not like a baby dies in the first 30 minutes of a movie i mean uh so brother dies in the first 30 minutes that's true but it's animated <laughs> it's a little bit easier I love big hero six big hero six is delightful yeah like, it is yeah sometimes i just remember that that movie won best animated feature the year it came out at the oscars and that just makes me really happy yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's real good what do you remember what else was nominated that year i think that was 20 that would have been the 2015 oscars i think uh, yeah, I think it came out in 2014. Um, yeah. Fun fact: I watched Big Hero Six on my first ever date. Wow. How old were you? Uh freshman year of high school. Hmm. So, we, uh, my mom drove us to Potbelly to get some food, and nice. <laughs> dropped us off at Potbelly, and then we, we, we toddled we, over. <laughs> we toddled over to the movie theater, and it's pretty good. Wow. <laughs> I remember. Look at you. Uh, Sorry, uh, this this year for the Oscars because this so this the 2015 Oscars were the first Oscars I ever like really paid attention to. That was like the first Oscars after I got into movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that kind of is was me too. Yeah. So. so for best animated feature that year, it was Big Hero Six, How to Train Your Dragon Two, Song of the Sea, The Box Trolls, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Uh, Tale of Princess Kaguya. Uh, I definitely remember thinking that How to Train Your Dragon Two was going to win because that movie is incredible. Hmm. Um, I've not seen any of the How to Train Your Dragon. They're very good. Like cons- all three of them are very very good. Um, but I remember being very upset because the movie that should have won best animated feature that year wasn't even nominated. That was the Lego Movie. Oh. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. Controversy. Just, wow. No, no love. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like That's... I'm glad Big Hero Six is an Academy Award winning film. Like it deserves it, but also it should be the Lego Movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah that's that's valid. Valid. Yeah. Um. Good year. Really good year. I'm it looking was. it up it now. Yeah. That was Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, and that was your Birdman one. And Birdman is one of like my all-time favorite movies, as I've really? told you guys before. Yes. Did we we watched it together? Did we, yeah, we? we watched it. Okay. For a movie yeah. It's pretty good. It's very yeah. good. Yeah, that's a really good year for Best Picture. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was stacked. Yeah. 
Beautiful. What about well, you, Kyle? What are you doing with movies? Yeah, so as you'll hear later in the podcast, uh, I watched uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League this past week, um, and I really enjoyed that, and has since, like, it, that. my enjoyment of that has since kind of kicked off uh, a renewed desire to revisit a lot of, like, modern DC films. Um, so the first two that I've watched, uh, I watched Birds of Prey, um, just because that uh, I didn't have a way to go watch Wonder Woman 1984 um, because it's not on HBO Max anymore, um, and I didn't want to pay for that movie because it's okay. <laughs> um, but Birds of Prey was on HBO Max, and that was the most recent kind of DC movie, and I remember seeing that once in theaters. I believe we saw it together, Dave, actually. Um, and... I remember like in really enjoying it at the time, and then the pandemic hit a few weeks later, and I just immediately forgot about it. Um, and yeah, Birds of Prey, I think it's still pretty good. Um, it definitely like is one of like I can see why it became so forgettable because like it kind of is <laughs> kind of like its own self-contained story, and it's just like it's a lot of fun. Um, the violence is is over the top and cartoony, but that's what they're trying to do. Um, it's definitely basic, just like a Harley Quinn movie with some additional characters thrown in there. And I think like the additional characters like are fun and I wish they'd been developed more, but like, yeah, it is what it is. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a pretty decent movie. I think it's not like anywhere near the best thing DC's done, but I think it's pretty, it's, it's not uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's not Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. Um, and so, yeah, it, I think it's definitely like a good time. And if you're looking for just like kind of a a generic low consequence DC movie that, uh, that it's kind of like vaguely along the lines of like Deadpool because it's kind of very meta. Um, and, uh, Mar Margot Robbie's Holly Harley Quinn is a ton of fun. So if you're looking for that, I'd recommend checking it out. It's a good time. Um, and then I also watched Shazam. I watched Shazam last night. Uh, and man, I forgot how much I love Shazam. It is so good. Um, I think Zachary Levi is absolutely like, delightful uh in in the lead role here i think just like the the story as a whole is is very heartwarming it's very kind of like it's definitely still like a dc movie but like it's it's more family friendly than most dc movies are except like there's a very odd mix of tones in shazam <laughs> like it's very lighthearted, but then also gets very dark sometimes like uh if you remember the boardroom sequence like that is just horrifying they're weird like horror movie moments in this movie, yeah. and I don't... Um, I think, yeah. I, yeah, like, yeah, they definitely stand works. out. But like, I, I yeah. agree that it works. Uh, I think that definitely is is emblematic of uh, the director of this movie being da David F. Sandberg, who, prior to directing this, like, he had almost exclusively done horror movies. Like, he directed uh, Lights Out, and he directed Annabelle Creation, um, and, yeah. like, he had almost exclusively done horror for Warner Brothers, and then they gave <laughs> him Shazam. Um and yeah, I thought it worked really well. I loved the cast. I just, yeah, had a really good time with it. It got me very excited to see uh, the sequel to Shazam, Shazam Fury of the, of the Gods, because like the movie, it didn't get like a ton of, like it was very, very well received when it came out, but like not a ton of people actually went out and saw it. Um, so I'm just glad that they're doing a sequel to it. Um, and yeah, that kind of moves us into our, our news for the week. Um, and just a few hours ago, we got the news that Helen Mirren is going to be playing the villain in Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh, she's playing a character named Hespera, uh, who is the daughter of Atlas. Um, I know nothing about this character. Um, I'm curious to see if they... So 
if you remember like Shazam's name is like an anagram for like the power of Atlas and like the, the lightning yeah. of Zeus and the speed of Mercury yeah. and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and so one of the A's in Shazam stands for like Atlas cause it's like the strength of Atlas. So I wonder if they'll tie that into it or if they'll just kind of ignore that. I don't know. We'll find out, but maybe, uh, uh, Hespera will take one of the A's, so he is either Shazam, Shazam or um, Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you attempted that. Joke. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think it. I, I think this is fun. Uh, I think I'm very excited to see Helen Mirren play the villain in a, in a comic book movie like this. It kind of reminds me of like when Kate Blanchett was cast as the villain for Thor Ragnarok, yeah. um, which also was a very comedic film, obviously. Um, so I think it'll be kind of like that would be my guess. And yeah, it just gets me even more excited for Shazam Fury of the Gods. I guess it's starting shooting here in the next couple months. I think there's like four or five DC projects that are starting shooting here in the next couple months. There's like Shazam, there's Black Adam, there is, um, I'm completely blank. I think Aquaman 2 starts soon. Um, and hmm. there's a few others, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You guys have any thoughts on Helen Mirren joining the cast of Shazam Fury of the Gods? I like it. I think it is good. Um, yeah, I, I love Shazam. I thought that's that thought. Yeah, I thought that was a really good movie. Um, and so yeah, I think would definitely like to see Black Adam show up in a Shazam movie sooner than later. But I'm sure we'll get to there. So. So Black Adam doesn't currently have a release date. Yeah. Um, which is weird. Um, but like they are very firm on like their starting shooting here soon um and shazam 2 is set for a release in june of 2023 um so i think there is a chance that we get the black adam movie before shazam fury of the gods um which i think would be really cool um yeah do you have any thoughts mia not particularly no i feel like i had thought of her character and like was trying to replace it in greek mythology but it's not what i thought it was have you seen shazam i have but i saw it i've only seen it the one time and it was a while ago so did you like shazam i really did but i have zero recollection of the scene that you were talking about Uh, (laughs) so the tldr is so mark strong plays the villain in shazam and he goes into this boardroom scene in this boardroom and like just throws a guy out the window just like very suddenly and very kind of violently and then like the seven deadly sins like come out and they're like terrorizing this group of board members and, like biting people's heads off and, yeah like, yeah wow. it's intense i totally blocked that from my memory mia yeah. was just so scared that she was like oh. you should watch Shazam again it's, yeah. maybe, it's very maybe good. i will if you hadn't watched it last night i would suggest it for tonight but yeah that's my bad i was like Shazam again i think we should watch aquaman tonight but <laughs> i've never seen aquaman it's pretty good i've I... watched it over a old man's shoulder on a flight <laughs> And I was like, you're not going to like this movie. And I don't think you liked it. <laughs> and then someone else watched it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch it again. <laughs> like, it was like an eight-hour flight. Did you say that to him? Did you go, no, oh, I don't think no. you're going to like this movie. <laughs> it was, this like, was, was all like, in my head. <laughs> the guy was like, what? He's who, like this who are Dutch you? guy <laughs> watching this movie. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Julie Andrews plays the, a kraken in that movie. Yeah. Wow. That is like the, some of the wildest it is. casting of I all think, time. I uh, <laughs> This is just a side tangent, yes. but I think Aquaman is probably one of the most like 
comic booky comic book movies in existence. Like it's mm. just like so unabashedly absurd, and it <laughs> like it just embraces it, and yeah. I think it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, moving on from there, uh, we got the news that Michael Keaton uh, is is kind of starting to cast some doubt on his involvement in the upcoming Flash movie, which is vaguely related to Flashpoint at this point, I guess. I think they're just, like, taking the vague idea of that and making their own story out of it. Um, but, yeah, so Michael Keaton a while ago was confirmed to be re- uh, reprising his role as Michael... As... I about said as Michael Keaton. Uh, as, <laughs> He's back, everybody. <laughs> uh, as Bruce Wayne slash Batman in the Flash movie starring Ezra Miller. Um, but just this week, he said that uh, whether or not he will actually be in the movie depends on the UK's coronavirus situation because he, he doesn't want to get coronavirus to be in this movie, um, mm-hmm. which I think is is reasonable. Yeah. But man, it'll be a, a a blow to this movie if they lose Michael Keaton. Like I think that is a, a big if he's actually in it. I think that will be a massive draw for this movie. And if he's not actually in it, that's that's gonna hurt. Yeah. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be good. I think that I was mean, kind I'm still, of. I mean, I'm still I'm still optimistic about the yeah. movie, but yeah. I think that was kind of like, he's like the main reason I'm really excited about this movie because, as I will say in my thoughts on Justice League, I just I hate Ezra Miller as the Flash, and so like, <laughs> I think I would really only be like super, and I hope the Flash is a character, but like, I would. Michael Keaton is definitely a main draw for me. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You have any thoughts on that, Mia? Not particularly. Big, cool. big fan of Michael Keaton, but have you seen a Michael Keaton Batman movie? No. We should watch Michael Keaton Batman movie. I have zero interest I in have... that. I thought we watched it. Didn't we watch it? I don't think so. I've only seen the the first one, I, and then I oh. think I think I've seen Batman and Robin as well. Obviously, that's not Michael Keaton, but yeah. um, hmm. the same. That's the same general franchise it's, i think it's like technically in the same universe yeah. so yeah um, nice. yeah i have not seen uh batman returns though. i've only seen it once and i did not like it so um yeah moving on from there uh marvel uh is developing a disney plus show based around the the character called uh, of echo um who i guess is kind of i i don't know anything about this character i guess they're like blind and use like echolocation or something well, like deaf. that or maybe they are deaf i don't know it's something like that it's a it's a it's a minor Marvel character that I guess is being introduced in the Hawkeye uh, Disney Plus show later this year. Um, and they yeah, announced today that they're developing a show based on that character. Hmm. So I have very little thoughts on this. Like, it's cool to get another Marvel show, um, especially for a character that we know so little about. Um, but yeah. Do you guys have anything to add here? Um, so, yeah. So looking into the character of Echo. So um, she is a deaf Native American character. Um uh, and so her real name is Maya Lopez. Um, she has the ability to perfectly copy another person's movements or fighting style. Which sounds a lot like the character of um, Taskmaster. Yeah. It sounds like, sounds like that character. Hmm. But, um, Who's the villain in Black Widow. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that, that actress and that character, they're going to be in the Hawkeye show. So cool. Fun. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, we also got the news this week that Emerald Fennell, who uh, has recently popped up on people's radars for writing and directing Promising Young Woman and getting nominated for an Oscar for that, and I believe she won the the Screen Actor or the the she won a, like a massive like Guild Award this past week hmm. for writing uh, 
uh, promising young woman. Um, but news came out that she is writing a Zatanna movie for for DC. Um, specifically, like they have not confirmed that she is directing it. She is at this point exclusively just writing it. Um, I would assume that she will like if this actually like happens, she'll also direct it. That would be my guess. Um, yeah, I think this is a big get for DC. Um, I know very little about Zatanna as a character. I think we talked about her a little bit last week because they announced a Zatanna in a Batgirl show or Batgirl projects. I assume this is the Zatanna project they were talking about. Um, So, yeah, it's good to see them getting, uh, like, quality talent attached to this project. Um, And, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's really great. I think from everything I've heard about Promising a Woman, I think that's definitely... um, promising that that, that, that that she is that she is writing this <laughs> um and yeah i think dc got a ton of flack when they um uh hired joss whedon to like write and direct a background movie it's like why are you why are you getting this this dude and very specifically this very prom- problematic against women dude like to yeah. write this mm-hmm. background movie so yeah definitely great to see um them get someone who is definitely more qualified so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from there, uh, Disney today uh, restructured basically their entire 2020 set of movies. Um, the biggest news to come out of this is that Black Widow has been delayed again. Uh, it was supposed to open May 7th. Uh, it's now opening July 9th. Uh, but the big news here is that it will be debuting in theaters and uh, with Disney Plus Premier Access, which is their like $30 paywall system they use for Mulan and Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, Oh, I guess we, all three of us, we all watched Raya and the Last Dragon, and none of us talked about it for what, for what yeah, I thought. I mean, true. we watched it on Tuesday. Yeah, so we watched it a fair. week ago. It was a whole yeah. week. I think we all thought it was pretty okay. Yeah, it I was pretty. I forgot. It, it, it was yeah. very pretty. It, it was animated very well. I think mm-hmm. I forgot about it. So yeah, like it's it's a perfectly fine Disney animated yes. movie. Um, but yeah. not a not a Frozen or a Big Hero Six yeah. or a Lego Movie. Like I heard some people comparing it to like Moana, and it is nowhere <gasps> near the quality. I think of it Moana. is like generally Mo. It is. It gives it, off it, some it, Moana vibes. It has Moana vibes, but it is not as good as Moana. Like, yeah, close, Moana so. is on a godly level. <laughs> I think Moana might genuinely be like what like one of my favorite Disney animated features. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the soundtrack alone. It's so good. It's very uh, good. Yeah. So good. But yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that's the thing. Uh, then, since uh, Black Widow got delayed to July 9th, uh, that was the release date for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That movie has now been delayed to September 3rd. Um, no word on if that'll be on uh, Disney+. Plus. I assume not at that point. But uh, Cruella, which uh, was slated for May 28th, is staying on May 28th. Um, and that is also going to be in theaters and on Disney Plus Premier Access. Um uh, Luca, the new Pixar film that we talked about the trailer for a few weeks ago, um, that is staying on its June 18th release date, but it will be premiering on Disney Plus at no additional charge uh, in the same way that Soul did this past December. And Onward, I think? I think, well... Mm, no, I don't believe so. Well, well, Onward was in theaters because it was right before COVID hit, but yeah. then it I was think, on Disney yeah. Plus free I think, of charge. I yeah, think. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and then just the general other release date uh, changes. Free Guy is now slated for August August 13th. Excuse me. Uh, the King's Man is now slated for December 22nd. Deep Water has been pushed to January 14th of 2022. And Death on the Nile, uh, the sequel to uh, 
Murder on the Orient Express mm-hmm. uh, is now slated for February 11th of 2022. Um, I think this all makes sense. I don't understand why they delayed Black Widow another two months. Like, if you're going to make it available on, especially if you're going to make it available on Disney Plus with Premier Access, like, and you're leaving Cruella in May. So, like, obviously you're fine with having a movie out in May. Maybe they're delaying it till July so that they hope more people will go see it in theaters because more people will be vaccinated by that point and hopefully yeah. will will be a little bit further beyond the pandemic than we currently are. Um, we'll see. I, I think that's probably their motivation in that. Um, but also, like, just I feel like you just need to get this movie out there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's whatever. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think. I was optimistic that we were going to get this in May um, for the reasons that you stated, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really get it either. My like initial thought was like, well, what if it's not done yet? And then I, I remembered it's definitely done because it's been <laughs> such a long time. Um, this was supposed to come out like a year ago. Yeah. Yikes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Mia, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I think... I feel like the further they push it back, it's going to, like, lose momentum, lose interest. Like, I kind of have forgotten about it just because it was supposed to have been out for such a long time. But, I mean, I guess there is one silver lining, and that is it comes out the day after my birthday, and that's it. (laughs) Comes out a week before my birthday. Woo! You get nothing, Dave. Yeah, I know. That's usually how it goes. (laughs) Sad. You get... Um, West Side Story ish. You get yeah. the King's Man. Hell yeah! You get <laughs> Dune. No, when does Dune come out? Uh, Dune is that October? I think so. Okay, yeah. you don't get Dune. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mean that. Sorry. Um, I will take West Side Story as my. Okay. Name. Okay. Um. So Seth Rogen has been cast as uh, Steven Spielberg's uncle in his uh somewhat biopic of himself that we talked about last week. I think it was last week. I think so. Um, yeah, I think that's, I don't have a lot to say about it. I think it's fun. I'm excited to see Seth Rogen in a Steven Spielberg directed <laughs> film about really Steven funny. Spielberg's life. Um, yeah, I'm just a big fan of Seth Rogen in general. So yeah, I'm on board for this. Um, yeah, I feel like it's like a weird choice, but like, obviously it's about his uncle so i'm sure he he knows how who he should be casting as his uncle um but but yeah i think that'll be do you think it'll be like i guess it'll be like a serious role probably i don't think he'll be doing his like seth rogan shtick um like uh (laughs) (laughs) have you guys seen uh steve jobs uh with michael fassbender and it's directed by danny boyle seth rogan Rogan plays steve wozniak in that i didn't know that (gasps) i did know that he's he's very good in it too Mm -hmm. like he's like genuinely like gives a great performance uh also um also i don't know why i said danny boyle i think that's uh uh why why am i blanking on his name social network trial of chicago seven uh, Aaron, Sorkin? Aaron Sorkin, yeah, Aaron Sorkin did that. Uh, Steve Jobs. Nope. I thought it was. Uh, did nope. he do the other that's, Steve Jobs? That's Danny Boyle. It might be the other Steve Jobs. Is not. It worth... definitely was not the. Uh, I think he might have written. Uh... Screenplay is Aaron Sorkin. There we I go. I can't speak. Screenplay. So screenplay by Aaron Sorkin and directed, directed by, by Danny, Danny Boyle. Boyle. So I was 
correct in both of those names. You really were. Um, I really like that there are two Steve Jobs movies and one is absolutely terrible, apparently, and one yeah. is really, really good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that Aaron Sorkin, Danny Boyle, Steve Jobs movie does not get nearly enough love. It's excellent. Um, and yeah, uh, moving on from there, um, Puss in Boots uh, is getting a sequel. Uh, the, the Puss in Boots uh, spinoff from the Shrek franchise. Um, I just recently rewatched Shrek 2, which introduced Puss in Boots. And man, Antonio Banderas is delightful as this character. I have not seen Puss in Boots, uh, the, the actual spinoff movie. I've heard it's actually pretty good. From 2011? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, 10 years ago. Um, he made a... How much money do you think Puss in Boots made? $500 million. Yeah. What? $555 million. <gasps> yeah, so what's symmetrical. it have on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, it's not immediately coming up. Um, 86. Nice. Pretty good. I say I heard it was pretty good. That's why we should watch the Puss in Boots movie. Maybe. I, I think Humpty Dumpty's in it. That's amazing. Yeah. And out, well, it says an outlaw cat, his childhood egg friend. I would assume. That's, yep, there we go. And a seductive thief kitty. Oh. Set out in search Goodness. for the eggs of the fabled golden goose. <laughs> sounds really good. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so Puss in Boots is getting a sequel. It's called Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, and it's set for a release date of September of 2022. Uh, they have uh, Joel Crawford, uh, who directed the, cr- the recent sequel to The Croods, um, is on board for this. Um, I really, so I haven't seen the sequel to the Croods. Apparently it's pretty good. Um, but I have seen the original Croods movie and that movie is also very good. Mm. Like it's, it's a ton of fun. Um, and yeah, so I, I want to watch the sequel to the Croods sometime. I don't think it's high on my list of things to watch, but like I want to check it out sometime. And it, if this director's getting the, the Puss in Boots sequel, good for him. So you guys have any general thoughts on this? Um, I feel like it's kind of weird, but like now looking and seeing that it has made five hundred million dollars, like I think like yeah, yeah, it's kind of like what took so long. Yeah, like yeah. Um, maybe this the people weren't clamoring for another Puss in Boots movie. Yeah. Um, is I think like Shrek's like in the Puss in Boots movie maybe or like it's a cameo. He might. For some reason, I thought that was a it's, thing. It's exciting to see the, the Shrek franchise continuing in some way. I think they've been working on Shrek 5 for, like, a long time in some uh, form or another. I, I remember, think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of when. I feel like since Shrek, like, became a meme in the last six or seven years, I feel like people would love to see another Shrek movie. Yeah. Like, like, I think no one really... No, like, Shrek Forever After is not very good, and I don't really think Shrek was like... I think Shrek Forever After is pretty decent. It's fine. Uh, well, I mean, I saw it, like, ten years ago, so yeah. I don't know. But um, I remember I, Shrek the Third not being great. I don't think I've seen that one. Um, but, yeah, I feel like people like Shrek, but now Shrek's just, like, a meme. And so, like, I think I think people would, love, would absolutely see a Shrek 5. Yeah, I think so, too. I saw this headline, like, a really long, like, two or three years ago that... Like, the same people who were working on Shrek 5 were also working on Sky High 2, and they're like, we're either going to do one or the other. And I was like, <laughs> don't make us choose. I want both of those movies, please. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a real thing, but I remember seeing that, or maybe I just imagined that in my mind. Maybe but, it was a fever dream. Um, but, yeah, I hope we get both movies. So. Hmm. Do you have any Puss in Boots thoughts? You know, I actually don't because I have not seen the crudes and i also haven't seen any like puss in boots content 
So have you, wait, have you seen Shrek? I maybe. Unreal. Maybe we should watch Shrek tonight. <laughs> Shrek is a t- like legitimately very good. It is. Like it's yeah. a ton of fun. Like it's a meme, but it's very yeah. funny. The first I one just... the first one's really meta. Like it's yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel because I what year was that? The first Shrek? Two thousand one or two? Yeah, it was it, early two thousand. It sounds horrible, but it's very hard for me to watch old animated movies. It like I feel like it looks pretty. Like it holds up. Does it? Yeah, it's pretty decent. Okay, it's not I like don't know. Toy it's Story, just... and I say that in the way of like visually. The it's definitely Toy a Story. DreamWorks movie. Yeah, like, like it looks pretty good. Okay, mm, I think I'll pass. <laughs> You're missing out, me. Mia. Mia doesn't want to get shrekt. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we also got the news that the Hos- the the Oscars, the uh, the Oscars, <laughs> the, the host, the hostless Oscars, yeah. the Oscars, <laughs> yeah, the, the Oscars are are going without a host again this year. I think this makes sense. I think the past two years without a host have been pretty good. It's worked out for the most part. Um, I think they should go back to having a host sometime, but also like I'm in no rush for that. So yeah, I'm not like thrilled by this but also i'm i'm pretty un unfazed by this news what do you guys think yeah i think like back i remember i think we were discussing this back when like the first oscars without a host was happening we we're like how are they gonna how's it gonna even work <laughs> works just fine like it's, yeah. it's totally fine i think like unless you have like someone who's really really good at it you don't need to just like be like james franco's the host i guess or just like yeah. someone mm. random i think like they should just get Billy Crystal back if he wants to do that because he's amazing at it. I still um, think that The Rock should host the Oscars. I think he should. Like, <laughs> how good would, would that be? I think he he would be really great. Yeah, he'd he'd do like a fun musical number. I think he'd yeah he'd have a good time. He'd yeah. do like a stunt or something. <laughs> Maybe he could perform "You're Welcome." Yeah, just 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 cause. Yeah. <laughs> that could be fun. Um, yeah. Who was it the last year we had a host? Jimmy Fall or Jimmy uh, uh, yeah, Kimmel? Yeah, it, it was Jimmy Kimmel. I think it was Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel twice, and then they just stopped doing it. Yes. Yeah, because it was it was Jimmy Kimmel, and then they brought him back uh, because because oh, he was there for like the La La Land thing, and then he made a lot of jokes about the La La Land thing. Correct. Um, and then they were they were gonna have Kevin Hart, and then Kevin Hart got <gasps> oh, in a bunch yeah, of controversy. Oh yeah, I forgot that was the reason. Uh, I and forgot. Then so they, like they were already like advertising like it was a few weeks before the Oscars, and then they had to they had to cut out Kevin Hart, um, and then. Yeah, it's been three years now, I guess. Two wow, years, three wild. years, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, moving on from there, we got some TV news. Uh, Jamie Foxx is going to be playing Mike Tyson in a biopic series uh, directed by Anton Fuqua and with Martin Scorsese producing. I think all of this sounds pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to watch the show, but I'm sure it will be a critically acclaimed show. So, <laughs> yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. Do you guys have any thoughts? Nope, you spelled Scorsese wrong earlier, so I fixed it for you. Thanks, Mia. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're welcome. What a good friend. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that sounds sounds good. What is it going to be on? Do we know? I have no idea. All right. Probably HBO or something. Probably. Um, And then, yeah, uh, got the news that there currently are six different Game of Thrones spinoffs in the works. I think we will maybe see one or two of these. I think that they're just kind of throwing a bunch of stuff out there, getting some creative people behind them, and then seeing if anything actually comes of it. Um, Again, I used to be a massive Game of Thrones fan. Uh, That's since died down in the past couple of years, since the last season was kind of underwhelming. Um, I'm sure if one or two of these are great, that that, that, I'm, I'm excited for that. I don't know. It kind of just sounds like... You guys remember, like... 
few years ago when every couple of weeks we would get the news that DC is developing a movie based on this character yeah. and the movie based on that character and like none of that is going to happen <laughs> and none of that is happening. Very similar with like Sony and, and being like we're going to get a like a um, like a black cat movie black and, and silver movie yeah. black cat and silver sable and we're going to get an Aunt May movie now yeah. like, like yeah. just yeah just random, kinda, random crap we're never going to see. Yeah, it kind of just reminds me of that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's whatever. Also, Dave, aren't you watching Game of Thrones right now? Yes. Um, I well, forgot about that. Well, How's that going? I was. Um, <laughs> I've seen five, and now we've just been busy, so we just haven't watched any more. Like five episodes? Yeah, or? five episodes total. I don't think we watched them like a week or so. And yeah, I, like it's good. Like I like it. I still am not like super drawn into it, but it's pretty solid. Yeah. I think just got to uh, Sean Bean just got stabbed in the leg. Oh. I <laughs> that one guy <laughs> Ned Stark. Ned Ned Stark got yeah. Yep. He got in a fight and his leg got stabbed. Owie. Yeah. He got he got a pokey poked. He did get pokey poked. <laughs> it seemed it seemed it seemed pretty painful. And I was like, that's a really good fight scene. And we just stopped watching it. So I'm yeah. sure I'll get back to it. Yeah. So. I'm sad. Um, on that note, uh, we will jump into our main topic. And at this point. Since Mia doesn't care about the Snyder. So our main topic is just entirely just reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, David and I both have some strong opinions on it. Mia isn't into <laughs> it. So we did not ask. We didn't, we didn't make Mia watch this four-hour version yeah. of a movie she doesn't care about. I think it would have been funny to get your perspective as someone who knows nothing about any of these movies. That could have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't go back in time and change that now. So. Yeah, because nope. spoiler alert, we rec- we already recorded our the main we topic can, for this. We can do it for Godzilla, though, because I'm going into it having watched nothing. Cool. That's true. All right. Cool. I have never seen a movie in my life. <laughs> Transition noise. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it's just Dave and Kyle here now, uh, here to talk some, some Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, um, Mia is not here because she does not care about this. Yeah. And I kind of envy her because she doesn't have to think about this movie. So <laughs> so this is going to be quite, I think, quite the conversation. Um, so, yeah, as Dave mentioned, Mia's not here because she's, she's not, she had no interest in watching Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, so we're recording this separately and we're just going to kind of tack it on to the end of the, of the podcast that we are going to be recording. We, spoiler alert, we're recording this prior to the prior to the other podcast yes. to the rest of the podcast bending time and space like the flash himself how about we like talk some general non-spoilery yeah. stuff uh and then i assume most of this will be spoiler filled that sounds good so um i guess yeah let's just start with our general experiences with the movie um so i'll, I'll start uh i have have not have I have made it no secret that I am a massive fan of Man of Steel. Uh, so Man of Steel is probably one of my favorite like comic book movies of all time. Just that movie, just like it works for me, and I absolutely love it. Um, Batman vs Superman, I very much enjoy. Um, I think it definitely has a lot of issues, um, but I still am definitely a defender of that movie and have been since it came out. Um, with that said, I was definitely a naysayer about the Snyder Cut uh, prior to its release. Uh, I never thought it would happen. I just thought it was kind of a a dumb movement that wasn't going to get anywhere. David and I have had lots of conversations on this podcast Mm -hmm. about how silly we thought the Snyder Cut, uh, the release of the Snyder Cut movement was. Um, Yeah, I guess to get into it, like I really enjoyed this movie. 
Um, I went into it kind of with zero expectations. I didn't expect it to be awful, but I wasn't expecting to love it or anything. It definitely was a bit daunting uh, because of the four-hour run uh, run time. Um, but yeah, I thought it really worked. Um, I think the characters all got their chance to shine in this movie, uh, and just generally the way the plot unfolds, it like came together very well. And 100%, it is unabashedly a Zack Snyder movie. Like This is him doing what he does without restraint, um, which I understand that that is going to turn a lot of people off. Because he has a very particular style. Um, it's very dark, both tonally and visually. Uh, <laughs> just kind of a, a muted color palette. Um, lots of lots of slow motion. Uh, lots of just very kind of very dramatic happenings, uh, as you would expect with any Zack Snyder movie. Like this is the guy that made Three Hundred. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I have watched it twice now. Um, eight hours of justice. Eight hours of justice. Like, and I watched the 2017 version the night before it came out. So within ten the, hours of justice. League. Yeah, within the past <laughs> week, I have had ten hours of Justice League. Um, and speaking of the 2017 version, man, like, so I already kind of thought that movie wasn't great. Like, I thought it had some good moments in it, but I wasn't like in love with it by any means. Um, and having seen this, I now like, I don't think I'm ever going to watch that movie again. Like, I don't think I will ever go back to it. I think I'm just kind of like I had already kind of forgotten that it existed, but I think this is hundred percent just gonna erase it from my mind. And I'm, yeah, the, in my opinion, I think this is the definitive version of this movie. Um, David has a different a different take. Uh, so I, I we have talked very briefly uh, about our our differing thoughts on this movie. My review has already been published, so I guess David's kind of got <laughs> a heads up on what I how I feel about this movie. I know that Dave isn't big on it. Um, so Dave, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. What's your, when your experience with this movie, how did you like, what was your mindset going into it? Um, I should also say that like the two times I watched this movie, I watched it front to back. Like I took like maybe a 10, 15 minute break halfway through, but like all the way through all four hours. Um, so yeah, Dave, I'll, yeah. What do you think? So, yeah. So I guess to start off, um, I think I'm really mixed on Zack Snyder's DC filmography. I think as I've been pretty vocal about on this podcast. Um, I had mixed feelings about Man of Steel for a really long time. Like I kind of went back and forth about whether I really liked it. Kyle converted me to like actually enjoying that movie because the most recent time I watched it with him, I was like, I really like this. I think I, like, I dig the vision of it. I think it's different than other Superman things. And I was like, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, Batman v Superman, I respect what that movie is trying to do. I respect that Zack Snyder takes some, some big swings in that. For me, I think most of them are misses. I think there are some like absolutely amazing moments and elements of Batman v Superman, but just like as a film, just in total, I think it's pretty bad. Um, and then the original Justice League, it's so weird because... When I first watched that, like, in theaters, I actually, like, I remember liking it and being like, I think this is pretty good. I, I don't really know why, because going back to it, I'm like, this is just nothing. This is just a nothing movie. And maybe, like, that's why I liked it, because it just is a pretty safe movie. And I think I just was like, cool. I'm cool with that. Like, I vibe with that. It's a, just a pretty standard telling of a Justice League adventure. And so... 
Um, yeah, I don't think that movie is very good now because I rewatched it like a week before watching this and it's bad. But um, I think going into this, I really expected this to be like something. Like, I think thinking about what we've talked about on this podcast, all the news that have we've heard about this movie, we heard a lot about what was going to be in it going in, being like, Jared Leto's going to be in this. And be four hours and it's going to be in different chapters and i was just like this if nothing else this will be like interesting and it'll be like batman v superman where i feel like it'll take huge swings and maybe i won't agree with all of them but i'll have like fun with it and man i was just so disappointed with this movie um and i think i had heard and i heard from kyle because he saw it before me and just like looking at like twitter reviews people were like, this is just, like, a huge home run, and it just is, like, this is his vision, and it's just awesome. And I was like, hell yeah. And then I really disliked it, <laughs> like, a lot. Um, I don't know. I just, like I said, I thought it was going to be something, and I just felt it was just really just blah. Like, I... I think I assumed a lot of the things that I didn't like about the original wouldn't be present here. Um, and I think like you had kind of said in your review and you said to me, um, a lot of the really good moments of the original are all in here. So it's like, yeah, okay, so that was Zack Snyder doing that, not Joss Whedon. But I also think a lot of the really dumb and bad parts of that movie are still in this movie. And I just was very disappointed by that. So I don't know. Um, where do we want to go from here, Kyle? Yeah. Um, so how did you feel about the R rating? Um, so personally, like, I I think the R rating definitely was, like, not necessary. Um, it, I think if, if they were to have cut this down and released it in theaters, it could very easily have been a PG-13 movie. Um, but with it being Zack Snyder, just kind of... Because, again, I, I think the biggest takeaway I had from this movie was that it was... 100% just Zack Snyder making whatever movie he wanted to make with very little studio interference. There is one instance of studio interference in this movie, like one thing that they asked him specifically to change, um, and we can get into that later uh, with, with spoiler reviews. It's kind of like a small thing. Um, but I think the R rating was just kind of him being like, this is a dark universe. I'm trying to make it as real as possible. So he added some blood splattering and a couple F-bombs here and there. Yeah. And I think that, again might not have been necessary but i think it added to the overall atmosphere that the movie was making um i think it definitely made the 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 action sequences and the violence like a little bit more i guess i guess it just hit me a little bit more like specifically like there's some sequences with with wonder woman that i think that i really enjoyed that definitely like it makes this situation feel very real um and i think there's the violence involved with uh the villain steppenwolf like um, without spoiling anything, like there's a point in which like he throws someone up against a rock, uh, and like this the person that hits the rock just gets wrecked. Like that, like there's yeah, it's very bloody, um, and it just kind of really makes you feel like how intimidating and physically imposing the villain is. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, Dave, what what did you think of the R rating? Yeah, I think I don't think it was necessary. I think. Um... There was, yeah, there, there, there are two uses of the F-bomb in here. One, I think, was by Cyborg, and I don't yeah. really remember what the point of that was. 
Um, and then one was at the end by Batman. And I thought I was like, that's a cool, like, and I think Zack Snyder had said, he's like, oh, Batman drops the F-bomb and it's sick and it's rad. And I was like, yeah, like, that was, I think in the way it was used, I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, we can get into this a little bit more, but I think the only other thing that was R about this was just the action. And I think in general, the action in this was pretty good. I think it was a lot more visceral than like, anything in the original the original just felt very like just people smashing into each other and like like there wasn't really like a, a lot of weight to like the impact of the punches and just like the choreography and so i think that was a lot better in this um but yeah that's pretty much all i have to say about the art right? yeah um and then one other thing i guess because it's it we'll we'll just probably get into spoiler review uh, spoilers pretty pretty quickly here. But I guess one other thing I wanted to mention was that this movie definitely ties into Batman of Steel and Batman vs Superman a lot more than the 2017 version of Justice League did. That movie like it definitely like continued with some of the story threads that they had set up in those movies. But this movie, but Zack Snyder's Justice League directly ties into specifically the end of Batman vs Superman with its opening sequence. Um, kind of in the same way that Batman vs Superman ties into Man of Steel with its opening sequence, which makes these three movies form like a solid trilogy of sorts. That again, again, I'm I think I'm a I'm a big fan of. I think it's a really I think history and just like looking back on this, it's going to be a very interesting kind of take on DC characters and a very kind of interesting case study on like like a, how a specific director's vision can can drive a franchise and um and yeah i i, I don't know i i really liked it. again i'm obviously a big fan of man of steel uh really enjoy batman vs superman and i love this movie so i think this trilogy as a whole it's definitely like something that works for me um but also again definitely not for everybody um i guess do you have any general thoughts on that not really. I think I definitely want to get into like the nitty gritty of this movie. So cool. Uh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, so spoiler, yeah, spoiler time. Yeah, if you if you've been holding out till now, uh, this is your official warning. We are going to talk about some some spoilers uh, moving forward. Um, is there anywhere specifically you want to start, David? Um, that's a good question. I think um, a consistent issue I have with this movie. Um, well, so. Uh, the first thing I've written, we don't really need to talk about this, but I think it's just kind of funny, is um, I wrote, Zack Snyder said, I will mute these colors so you know it's a serious movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I again, that's his style, like you said. Like, I get it, but it was it's just very much just like, everything's dark because this is dark, and I want you to know this is, this isn't a silly Joss Whedon movie. This is a, this is a grown-up man's version of, of Justice League. And so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, I, throughout all of my notes, there are multiple places where I just write, I hate the Flash so much. <laughs> I despise Ezra Miller in this. And, like, I think I didn't like him in the original. And going back to that again, I was like, he just sucks, man. Like, like he's trying to, they're trying to have him be the Peter Parker, like, point of view care like he's supposed to be the audience where he's like kind of awestruck by everything and he's kind of a doofus and he doesn't really fit in with the rest of the team but he's like a funny cool comedic relief guy and i assumed a lot of that was 
Joss Whedon, like stepping in and kind of rewriting things. Um, but they just leave a lot of just terrible, like he, everything he does. I was just like, shut up, man. Like, and like me and my roommates were watching this and every time he said anything, we were just like, shut up the flag. I hate you bear. Like I, I, I hate him. And I don't, I really didn't think it was Ezra Miller's fault the first time. And I'm like, maybe I just don't like him in this role, like at all. I just don't think his vibe works whatsoever. I think we've hurt, hit our first major <laughs> impasse with this movie. Um, because while I, I enjoyed Ezra Miller in 2017's Justice League, I think there's also some of the the worst moments in that movie come from Ezra Miller in in yeah in that in that version what is brunch when he he yells that 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 specifically um (laughs) the bit where he like lands on wonder woman's boobs and like that it's just very bad um and i think yeah that's a whole nother tangent with joss whedon Mm -hmm. but i really enjoyed the flash in this movie uh i think his his power set and just like what he can do is a lot more interesting in this movie he's he's a lot more than just like a dude that runs fast um he and mostly, he mostly is a dude that runs fast. yes but but it looks cool um that's it doesn't though it, i think it does he, um, if you if i was some that learn how to run idiot like that's what i, I was yelling that he ezra miller his running action is just terrible like he's just he's throwing his like whenever he st- he leads like with his arms so he'll be like crouched and then he'll just like throw his arm forward before his legs move and he just looks like a weird like baby gazelle that's so uncoordinated and like there were some really like i think talking about like the big flash sequence at the end where he reverses time Mm -hmm. i had heard like that scene that scene was so hyped for me like on twitter i saw people like this is like a top tier like all-time favorite superhero movie moment and i was like sick because i love the flash like, yeah. i know you love the flash i love the flash as a character i am currently wearing a flash he t-shirt is. um but it was just ruined for me by him just like flip-flopping around like just a weird fish out of water man and i just i hate him okay i, hate him. <laughs> I will say um so I so again I watched this movie the first time so it came out like Thursday of last week. Uh, I got up at seven a.m. Uh, and started this movie then because I had like classes and stuff later in the day. So I was like, I want to sit down and watch this movie and not have to worry about anything getting spoiled. So I I got up, watched it from seven a.m. to eleven. Um, so I had not heard about that scene uh, when I watched it the first time. So maybe that kind of has affected I guess our our expectations with that a bit but i am definitely in the camp where i'm like this is one of like my favorite superhero move moments and like any i absolutely loved that he doesn't do anything like cool in that scene though like he literally reverses time that's his thing like i've like we've seen that though i know but just like the way it like folds back and like kind of rematerializes (laughs) as he's stepping um and just kind of like the i guess the emotional arc of like him kind of seeing his own self-worth in that uh I, i it really worked for me um um, and then I guess this kind of continues into the R rating a bit, but like seeing all of the characters kind of like rematerializing, uh, I don't know. It just kind of really yeah, that, made that, that work cool. for me. Um, but David, have you ever run at the speed of light before? No, but I've run. I've, I have, I have ran and I've seen people run, but, in a much but better you have, way. you have not ran that fast before. You're right. And you have not. Neither is Ezra yeah. Miller. <laughs> so. But I, I will agree that his running is a little silly. Yeah. But I think because 
of just like the general nature of the movie and like him running at the speed in which he is uh, and his, the way that they explain like the speed force and like him tapping into that. Uh, I, I, it worked. It, it didn't bother me that much. Um, and I think it, it, it definitely bothered me more in the 2017 version of the movie, which granted, maybe that's just because we hadn't seen him run prior to that. And so maybe I've just had a couple of years to get used to it. That definitely could be the case, but I, I don't know. His running didn't bother me at all. Um, and yeah, I, well, so since we just talked about the flash, why don't we just go character by character sure. here? Um, so let's start with Batman. Um, so I think Ben Affleck's Batman. So I, have said time and time again that Ben Affleck's Batman in specifically in Batman vs Superman is one of my favorite iterations of the character. I love how dark he is. I love how just like brutal he is. Um, and I think I was severely disappointed with Ben Affleck's performance in the 2017 Justice League. I think he is a lot better in this movie. Um, I think the character itself has definitely changed, um, but it's a lot. It's a much more natural change than it had been in, in the, so in the 2017 version, like his, uh, his version of Bruce Wayne and Batman was just kind of like suddenly a lot more lighthearted and a lot more hopeful. And that kind of was jarring. Um, in this version, like he definitely is more optimistic. Um, and he, on a, on a couple occasions mentions that he's operating on faith now, which is like kind of a new thing for him. Um, but I think that works because they're very specific in explaining how a lot of his character development happened as a result of the death of Superman. Um, and so I, again, I while I think I was a bigger fan of like him being as brutal as he was in 2017 ver or in the in Batman versus Superman, I understand like them lightening up the character a little bit and making him a little bit more, uh, I guess, friendly to others um, in this version. And so I don't have a lot to say about like what he actually does in this movie because he mainly just kind of like goes around and assembles the team. And there's not a lot of like great Batman moments in this movie. Like there's no like warehouse sequence like there was in Batman vs Superman. I like the moment where at the end, like they've defeated Steppenwolf and they're about to do the big shot where they're standing on that smokestack or whatever. And he, Superman, like Batman's like struggling to get up like a weird baby man. And like Superman like helps pick him up. It just is very like, it's like did they make Batman just like climb up the smokestack while the rest of them could just fly up there? I think that's very funny. And See, weird. I, well, I think the practicality of it, yeah, it, it is a little silly, but I think that works for me because I don't know. I think it's more so just kind of like a, a showing of the team working together, I guess, uh, of the like them coming together, um, and so Batman no longer has to do all the like. Maybe you could say it's that a it, metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Which Zack Snyder loves his metaphors. Loves his metaphors. Uh, so I think that is kind of where I like. Well, yeah, pract practically yeah. it is a little silly, but it, it, I it wasn't bothered by it. Um, uh, moving into Superman. Superman also, just like the 2017 version, doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. But I think his shadow definitely, like, even though he's not in it a lot, I think he, like, the general, like, atmosphere of Superman is all over this movie. Um, from, like, obviously the opening sequence of, like, his literal death cry being what wakes up the mother boxes, which I loved. And I loved kind of, like, the visual of that. I just, I thought it really worked. Um, and then when he comes back, uh, obviously there's no CGI mustache removal, which is very good to see. That it's good. it's good just to see Henry Cavill's face as Superman. It makes me happy. Um 
yeah, I I think he's definitely like the most imp- like physically imposing version of Superman we've gotten. Like when he's so when he shows up at the end and is just beating the crap out of Steppenwolf, like he comes in and just like throws him around like a rag doll. Um, but I think I think that worked, and I think it it kind of made sense with the character, and they're showing him as like the the god that they've been making him out to be this entire movie. Um, and so yeah. I enjoyed him. The black suit did not need to be there. Um, I think it looked really cool, and I enjoyed seeing it on the screen, but, like, there's no narrative reason for it. I think it's just kind of... I think that's one of those... One of several instances in this movie of Zack Snyder just doing something because it's going to make the fans happy and because he thinks it'd be it'd be neat. Um, but, yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Superman in this movie? Yeah, I think he was... For the very limited time he is in it, I think he's, like, a relative bright spot. I think... Um, I would have liked to have seen more with him and kind of just what more development with kind of what his thoughts are about being brought back from the dead and just kind of everything yeah. there. And um, I think it, a major issue of the original was that they're really struggling to beat Steppenwolf and he just shows up and does it, cleans it up all on his own. Like there isn't really a lot of teamwork with, all of them working together. It's just Mm -hmm. like they just needed Superman and then he could just easily defeat Steppenwolf. I think that still is present here, but I think there were more show, like there there were more, there's more indication that like they all work together to just like absolutely kick this, 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 this guy's, this guy's butt. Like, because there's a scene, like they're just kind of all bouncing them around. Like Superman will punch him and then like Aquaman will like slice him with his trident and, Wonder Woman will do her wrist bracelet explosion thing that she does like five times in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing that I enjoyed about this version is so like prior to Superman showing up, like it's definitely like a pretty like even match between the justice league and Steppenwolf. They're not like really struggling to, to beat him or anything, but he's definitely like still like a challenge. But when Superman shows up, it kind of gives them the extra like oomph they need to, 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 to take him down. Also, uh, we can just go into Steppenwolf from this. Um, so first of all, how brutal was that death sequence? That that death bit? Like, I, I loved that. That was like, cool. It, it was also fun just because, just like seeing them like work together to do that. So like Aquaman like literally just like stabs like Steppenwolf with it with his trident, like holds him up, and Superman punches him, and then Wonder Woman decapitates him, and, and then, then he <laughs> just like his body and head fall at the feet of Darkseid. Um, Dark side just steps on his head. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that was cool. Yeah, um, and Steppenwolf as a whole, I think, is much better in this in this version of the movie. Like, you get a better sense of like why he's doing what he's doing. He's trying to to kind of get in, uh, get back in the inner circle with Dark Side, um, and he's he's just trying because I guess at one point like he betrayed Dark Side in some way. I wish they would have explained that a little bit, but like, whatever. Um, but yeah, and so it was it was interesting kind of understanding why Steppenwolf uh A um is working by himself uh and B why he came to Earth now versus just kind of randomly showing up like he does in in the 2017 version. Also, I think visually he looks much better. Um he's not just kind of like a weird tall rubber gray man. Um He's mostly a tall rubber gray man. I yes. disagree. <laughs> I think he he definitely like has I think Zack Snyder definitely was going for like a specific visual style with like all of the um, with the parademons and just like all of the residents of Apocalypse. Um, and I think 
his his suit of armor was definitely like a little uh, a little Watch. video gamey, um, <laughs> like it just kind of like a very silver spiky thing. Um, but like I think it, I I still thought it worked. And I thought the CGI on it was a lot better than it had been in 2017. Um, and yeah, just generally, I think he's not like the greatest superhero villain of all time or anything. But I think he works um, for what the movie is. Um, I have a couple of thoughts on Steppenwolf. He's definitely better. Like I think all of the fight scenes with him are way better. He has a much more like visceral style of fighting. And like Wonder Woman even says like, this is like one of the most powerful beings we've I've seen. And like, yeah, like he, he is a threat and I don't think he really was in the, in the original. I saw a lot of like, just, just conversation about him, about being like, he is a fully realized, like three dimensional villain now. And I'm like, no, like just because he's better doesn't mean that I was like, I like him as a villain. He's still just a CGI, gray, grumbly voiced man who's just swinging an axe and being like, I want the boxes because I want power. And that's pretty much all he says like throughout the entire movie. Um, a few other things. Um, there's a point where he takes off his helmet and you see like that his like sp- two spikes are like actually a part of his head and like not just like on his helmet and i wrote uh Stephen wolf needs to moisturize because he just has like the most like scabby gross disgusting skin and like uh, that makes sense he's like a bad space monster thing so he's not gonna like have you know he's not gonna have beautiful lush skin <laughs> but like i just thought that was funny that he just is like this weird scabby like skin peeling man underneath his helmet uh and also he has his armor has like a weird like crotch cape where like on the front there is just like a like a like a cylindrical thing like hanging down from his nether regions and then there's like a weird butt cape in the back and um i just thought that was weird <laughs> like i just thought that, that was just funny to me yeah. so but yeah he was fine i thought he was better but yeah, yeah. i don't think he's nearly as like three-dimensional as like some people on twitter have been yeah. making him out to be but i think he's definitely like a lot more uh developed than he had been um uh moving on uh to wonder woman i think wonder woman is mostly the same in this movie um but like the additional bits you get with her are a lot better i think her action sequences are a lot better like you understand like just how powerful wonder woman is as a character in this movie and like because she she messes some some fools up in this movie um and yeah i i really enjoyed gal gadot's performance um yeah don't really have much else to say about her uh i think the the like introduction sequence to her like in the like the i don't know what it was like a museum like heist thing yeah um, the host- it was in the first one yeah, just, yeah um i think that that sequence is definitely like expanded in this version like it's like twice the length of that that it originally I was some specific notes um, with that. yeah <laughs> uh, i really enjoyed that sequence i think um it was kind of funny just like seeing wonder woman just like obliterate this guy um and just like not messing around and then the aftermath of like seeing her like interact with the with the like schoolgirls that were yeah. there i thought was really good and it really like made her feel like a hero um and yeah i really enjoyed that um what did you think so a few things about wonder woman i think she's like good in this i don't think she's nearly as good both action wise and character wise as in like any of the wonder woman movies and batman v superman i think and I think this is an issue I have with the movie in general. 
is just like I thought her like fighting was just like very poorly rendered, um, especially like in the museum scene, like in the first introduction scene with her. Like there are multiple points where like a gunman's trying to kill all these people, and she just kind of like very quickly like kind of spiders around and like deflects it with all of her things. And I thought I'm like that just looks really bad, like to like to me. Um, also, whenever Wonder Woman or any of the Amazon show up, Junkie XL, the composer of the score, decided to put in the exact same like theme of just like, oh, uh, just like, and like I had like these subtitles, and it's it said like ancient lamentation music playing, and it was every single like literally whenever she did anything in this movie, that theme just played, and I was like. You have a Wonder Woman theme that's like really good, like that. Yeah. Like that's amazing, and I love. And it, it's used like once in this. It's used a, more than once in this, <sighs> but it's barely used, and it just was really like every time I was like, "Oh, stop!" <laughs> like, it's so annoying. Um, also, one more thing about Wonder Woman in that in that intro scene. So the whole thing is she has there. The terrorists are like, "We got a bomb. It's gonna blow up three city blocks and whatever and so she gets rid of it she throws it in the sky and it's like no damage done to really anybody or anything and then there's literally one guy left and (laughs) she we know she has she can obviously move at super speed she has a lasso she has she can already catch any bullet that is going to hit her but what she decides to do is she does the her strongest move which is just take her wrist bracelets and just clap them together just for a normal man that she is three feet away from. And she just destroys the side of this building and sends shrapnel flying. Like, everyone, like, all the police officers below, just just rubble, just raining down on them. And I was like, what was the point of that? You, you got rid of the bomb, and then you just, just like absolutely obliterate this man and that's a that's a, that's an instance of many in this movie where it's just Zack snyder being like what's gonna look the coolest instead of like what actually just makes any sense i <laughs> i will kind of agree that that it does kind of like not make a lot of sense but it looked cool <laughs> <laughs> and um. she goes like i think the choreography for her in her other movies is just a lot more interesting and like she does more things and just kind of like stabbing with her sword and um like she does she goes for the wrist thing like five or six times and i was kind of like all right like yeah but like it's again like it's a her most powerful thing that she's got and she's most of the movie she's fighting steppenwolf so like yes but like um, do something cool with your lasso like do something cool with your shield like i don't know like yeah yeah um i i I thought she i i really enjoyed wonder woman in this movie i thought she was better in this movie than she was in batman vs superman and i really enjoyed her there um but yeah um i feel like i don't really have much else to say about her um so moving on to i want to save cyborg for last um Mm. so we'll we'll go into aquaman now um i think aquaman is mostly the same in this movie thankfully the the garbage scene of him sitting on like wonder woman's lasso and like kind of confessing all of his his beliefs uh from the 2017 version that scene is nowhere to be found in this instead of like just having one kind of scene thrown in there where like he's just kind of like this is who i am they actually like show you who he is in this movie and like you get a much better sense of like his division between like uh like the surface world and like uh atlantis and i thought 
Um, most of the stuff in Atlantis I thought worked pretty well. Um, I still think that the air bubble thing is dumb, um, but thankfully James Wan fixed that already. Uh, and I thought it was weird that Mara had like an English accent. I was gonna say, it's kind I was of like, that's not a thing. No, that, Man, right? yeah, 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 no. James yeah. Wan again already already fixed that. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it definitely like there's a lot of just Jason Momoa being really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I'm a big fan of Jason Momoa. I like I like his version of this character, and I think this movie definitely sets up the Aquaman uh, movie a lot better than the 2017 version of the movie did. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, he doesn't really have, like, like, of the seven members of the Justice League here, I feel like Aquaman definitely has, like, the least to do, um, but he still is, like, developed as a character, which I enjoyed. Um, do you have any thoughts on Aquaman? Yeah, I thought he was good. Like, I think... Jason Momoa is really great in that role, and he's good in this. So, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he really has anything that I was particularly super interested in, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Cyborg. So Cyborg is a completely different character in this movie than he was in the 2017 movie. Uh, in the 2017 version, he was definitely just like a side character that had some cool robot powers. But in this movie, like he is like as like literally everybody has been saying cyborg is the heart of this movie like all like most of like the emotional weight of of this movie comes from cyborg um and just like his journey as a character i think he definitely has the most complete arc of any of the members of the justice league here um all of the the stuff with star labs and his dad and um just kind of explaining like how he lost his mom and all of these different like tragedies within his life um, I thought we're, we're really well done. Um, and I think seeing him go from someone who doesn't feel like he belongs in society anymore to like learning to like accept himself at the end of the movie, just, I thought it was very powerful. Um, and so, yeah, I think we don't, I don't know a whole lot about like all the behind the scenes stuff with, with Ray Fisher and, uh, Walter Hermata and Jeff Johns and all that. We don't really need to get into that. Um, I know that Ray Fisher has said that he is not going to come back for a DC movie as long as Walter Hamada is involved. And Walter Hamada is going to be involved for the foreseeable future. And so it makes me really sad that we're probably not going to see Ray Fisher back as Cyborg anytime soon. Um, I hope we do someday because I, I really liked him in the role. And I think it's very, un like, seeing what they did with his character in this movie versus the 2017 movie, it is entirely understandable why he's been so outspoken about this. Just because it's, it's like, criminal how, how much they cut of that character for the 2017 movie. Um, do you have any thoughts here? Yeah, I thought he was great. Like, I think his character was the one I enjoyed the most. I didn't really think... There were any particular issues that I had with his with the with his characterization? Um, yeah, I thought his performance was extremely strong. Um, I really liked what they did with everything there. I think there was like sort of kind of hints about his backstory in the original, but they were just not at all developed. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know the really the only thing I liked about this four hour runtime was that I there was time for that to happen. Um, and I absolutely would take a, like a, a cyborg movie um, mm -hmm. or just would like to have him show up in other things. So, yeah. Um, and one thing, cause so we had mentioned like all the stuff with star labs um, in this movie. And I think 
so the character of Ryan Choi, um, who shows up on a couple of occasions, he's kind of like the the other like lab assistant there. Um, he's not like they don't do much with him in this movie, but I think his in, uh, his inclusion was interesting. Um, I thought it was uh, interesting that they cast like an actual like Chinese actor in the role. Um, but apparently, so I didn't notice this while watching the movie, but Ryan Choi in the comics is the Atom. Um, so I think that that that's really interesting and like. His inclusion in this definitely was Zack Snyder trying to set up like a larger DC universe. And apparently at the time, like before Justice League had come out and when Zack Snyder was still like on board with this, he actually like pitched an entire Adam movie to Warner Brothers that was going to be like an entirely Chinese cast. Um, and we know very little details about that, but it's kind of an interesting look into like what a different direction for the DC universe could have been. Um, and yeah, um, I don't really have a whole lot else to like like specific things like that to talk about so we can just kind of get into whatever other random things we want to talk about with this movie sure um oh uh a quick thing on um on the atom yeah um i do you notice at the end he was like my specialty is nanotechnology someone was like <laughs> someone mentioned to him that he like they were like yeah. reading yeah yeah. yeah yeah so i was like nice yeah <laughs> um i had mentioned earlier that there was one thing in this movie that uh warner brothers made Zack snyder change for the snyder cut um can you guess what it is or have you heard what it is um i think i heard it but i do not remember at all what it is it's the very last scene in the movie when martian manhunter shows up um that was not supposed to be martian manhunter in that scene uh originally Zack snyder wanted that to be the green lantern um showing up in that scene he wanted it specifically to be john stewart's green lantern um and he shot the scene with ben affleck under the impression that it would be the green lantern uh and then warner brothers came in and was like nope you can't do that we have plans for that character so we're not letting you do that um and so they had to just kind of go through and redo the visual effects and make it into martian manhunter which i think like the scene still works um but i think that's just kind of like an additional like little little interesting tidbit about that um because like watching that scene you can definitely tell ben affleck is acting off uh acting opposite literally nobody he's like um who are you can i help you yeah person who's yeah. floating in the sky um, like I cause, don't, yeah because yeah, that scene and the the additional nightmare sequence basically the whole like epilogue of the movie that is all of the new material they shot for this uh everything else in the movie is just like updated visual effects uh and material that had previously been shot by Zack snyder um what's interesting about that to me is so the only other martian manhunter scene we get in this is and and this was a scene i had a major issue with because so martha kent shows up at lois lane's apartment and they have like a really like good heartfelt conversation and i was like i really like this scene this is a good scene where they just talk about their grief and moving on after clark is gone and i was like great this is cool like i really like this and then martha kent leaves the apartment her eyes start glowing and then there's like a weird little kind of like cut and then it's it's martian it was martian manhunter doing a shapeshift and i was like that just kind of like ruined that scene for me because like what's the point of that then and then and, and like then martian manhunter is like we need you lois and he's yeah he's, he's isn't I, in the rest of it so like what was that supposed to be did Zack snyder add that in no that was apparently that was always the case um so what 
which what would have been the point of any of that yeah then? so <laughs> my kind of initial reaction the first time i watched the movie was the exact same i was like why like it feels kind of just added on to the end and it unnecessary um on my second watch through, uh, I think it worked a lot, like knowing that it was Martian Manhunter the whole time, I think the scene worked a lot better for me, um, just because, so like, it's also in that same shot revealed, or in that same sequence revealed that Martian, it's not only Martian Manhunter, but that Martian Manhunter is General Swanwick uh, from Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. Um, and man, uh, so he's not really in Batman vs. Superman a whole lot, but like he is interacting with Lois in like all of his scenes in that movie. Uh, and he's a much larger character in Man of Steel in which he also interacts with Lois quite a bit. And so I think it makes sense that he would, that she would like be on his radar and that he would be interested in like keeping her like, I don't know, active in the world. And so I think w viewing the scene through that context kind of makes it work a little bit better. Um, and yeah, again, I don't know how I feel about like just the general like shoehorning of Martian Manhunter into this movie. Like it feels a little, a little kind of just like we're doing this because we can. Um, but it's to me that's like a minor issue. Like I, I, I think the scene still works. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think it's because like Martian Manhunter as Martha Kent. But Lois Lane is like, oh hey Martha, do you need like a place to stay? Like do you need anything? And she's like, I'm doing well. I got a place. And so like. What if what if Martha Kent's actually struggling? Lois would never. Know. Well, I think I think she was, um, and I think uh, I think from what from what I gathered, the vibe I got from it is that um, everything that like Martian Manhunter like told to uh, to to Lois Lane was like true. Like all of these things had been happening to Martha Kent. Um, he was just kind of taking her place there and like kind of relaying this information to Lois so that Lois was aware of it. I guess. But I guess like because like you said. Lois knows General Swanwick, so he could just go to her as him and be like, "I'm a general, and I know you, and I know you're low, and I know who you are, and I know you're with Superman." So like, that's true, but yeah. Lois doesn't have any like emotional connection to General Swanwick. Yes. Like, I feel like she would open up a lot more with Martha Kent than she would General so Swanwick. He emotionally manipulated her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah yeah. Um, um, how did you so? We will talk about the nightmare sequence, but before I get into that, uh, how did you feel about this movie being split into like six chapters? So it was nice from the standpoint of I was able to watch it in like three different settings um, because I just did not have time to like watch it in four hours. Um, so yeah, like I think I liked it more as it went on in general. I think the, the ending was like the strongest bit for sure um i think like the first two sections were just like so tedious and boring and just like very just like it and, like pretty much none of that was new like new really it was just scenes we had already seen that were just made longer with just like longer shots and more slow motion and just random things added in for like no reason whatsoever and so see i i view the 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 lengthening of the scenes as like allowing them to breathe a little bit more it le it allows the characters to kind of uh fit more into their fit more into their roles and just kind of develop more um and i i think it just like allowed the movie to progress at kind of a natural pace for it like granted this movie has a very slow pace it is a slow build um and maybe this is because like I didn't stop stop at really any point. I just kind of watched all four hours all the way through. But I thought the movie built very well as it went on. Like I think 
there's a lot of setup in those first two chapters um, that then is followed through on later in the film. And so I think watching it all in one sitting definitely kind of made that it kind of connected it all a lot more for me. Um, though I will say that uh, there there are some pretty some pretty great action sequences in those first two chapters because there's the the bit where um, Steppenwolf comes to Themyscira uh, and that whole like 15 minute sequence of them just trying to keep the mother box away from him um, and I, I, I really enjoyed that sequence um, I thought it was it kind of did a really good job of establishing like the physical dominance of Steppenwolf um, against the Amazonians, like the Amazonians, as we've seen time and time again, are, are not to be trifled with. Um, and yet he is kind of just mowing them down. Uh, and I think that was uh, very kind of, uh, I don't know, that worked for me. Um, and then also there's the kind of entire, like kind of flashback sequence of Darkseid's first invasion of Earth, which I thought that, I loved that. I thought that was really good. Yeah. I thought that was very solid. Um, I liked actually seeing dark side doing things Mm -hmm. um i think they very much ripped off and like clearly this was shot before infinity war but there's a there's a part where a a man with long hair and a beard and an axe come that like comes at at dark side and hits him like right in the chest kind of in the neck area and i was like yeah you should have gone for the head man (laughs) like that was what Um, and like clearly that was not like one one, at the time that was not something that had happened but i just was like yeah one kind of greater connection to the dc universe from that sequence uh that i really enjoyed was that the person that did that was actually aries uh the villain of of wonder woman they actually had david thewlis in there like i like kind of thought it was him but mm. i couldn't tell yeah just they he looked a little differently yeah. um, just because it was set like thousands of years in the past. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just kind of enjoyed that little yeah, tidbit. That's fine. Um, uh, yeah. Um, the, I, I think the Themyscira fight just looked awful. Like CGI wise, I just thought everything like, and I think a lot of this just felt so green screeny. Like, like, and I that was like a major issue I had with the original Justice League. Is just it just it feels like no nobody is anywhere at any time, and is everything is people standing on a green screen yelling at nothing. And I think that was less of an issue here, but it still was very present in the action scenes. I think the ending action scene was like really good, and I thought like looked pretty solid, but. Just the, some of the stuff in Themyscira, man. Like, I just thought it looked terrible. See, like, I, I didn't think it looked that bad. Yeah. I, I, it worked for me. Like, it definitely is green screen, but, like, so is, like, literally everything Zack Snyder does. Yeah. And so that kind of just kind of melds with his visual style. Like, a lot of Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman are green screen as well. But it just, like, it doesn't, it looks good. Like, it, like, I think you can't, obviously, like, I know none of the, like, I know nothing in Man of Steel or Batman Superman is like real and like the backgrounds aren't real, mm-hmm. but it looks amazing. And I'm like, and it doesn't take me out of the movie. Yeah. I think like, I would just like, just, this just looked really bad. Like in yeah. my opinion. Um, I disagree, but I feel like we're just kind of going in circles at yeah. that point. Um, how'd you feel about the aspect ratio? Uh, uh, that's fine. I didn't, I think like, I thought I was not going to like it, and then I just kind of didn't notice. So Yeah, it took like five minutes to get used to, yeah. and then you still have three hours and 55 minutes of movie after that. Yeah, and um, I think I, a pre, like the explanation kind of I heard was like, he wanted to be like a kind of a comic book panel, and you have a lot of characters who can fly and who are, their motion is upward. Yeah. So you wanted to like have like a vertical vision, more of like 
vertical movement more than horizontal movement, which I was like, yeah, that's yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, do you want to do you want to get into this nightmare sequence? Um, real quick, so I want to talk a little bit about Batman's motivations in this movie. Okay. I think, and this is the problem I have with the original, his shift from like being like I hate Superman so much and like I want to kill him to to this of being like we got to bring this guy back is just such just a massive whiplash for me and i think what's what's really just so like it just makes no sense to me so he he talks about he has this vision and he has a vision of batman v superman where it's like superman is gonna just become just an evil dictator insane lunatic why would you bring him back? Like, why would your, like, you have this vision, and b- so before, like, I think the original actually did a better job of, like, people tried to talk him out of that decision a little bit more. We just kind of have Alfred give his little speech about it, which was, like, I thought was good, but there's, like, Wonder Woman is, like, very clearly, like, other members of the team are, like, very clearly, like, this is a bad idea. And I think for, like, Batman, like, who is the guy who always has the plan and is always, like, thinking logically and, like, he's always thinking about all the different outcomes. You, you've had this vision of the Flash. The Flash came back in time. You had a vision of Superman being just an absolute monster and helping Darkseid. Why would you bring him back? Like, I just don't think that makes any sense. And I think in this movie, um, because in the original it's all about like Lois being the key. And so mm-hmm. he has Lois ready to come, you know, meet Clark in the original. And I think that made sense Yeah. here. He had no plan. Like if Superman was bad, he just had no way to stop him. And I think as like Batman as a character, that just does not compute with me. Cause Batman would have a backup plan and he just doesn't, he just doesn't like at all. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm less by, bothered by that. Um, just because I think this version of Batman like very much blames himself for the death of Superman because he spent most of that movie kind of just like tunneling into this one idea of Superman is this this very bad person that's going to have this effect on the world. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, he kind of sees that a lot of those ideas were very directly implanted upon him by Lex Luthor. Uh, and then the ultimate sacrifice of Superman um, kind of really hammered that home for him. And I think he, yeah, again, directly blames himself for that. And I think he, re- like, reflecting upon uh, both the invasion of Zod and Man of Steel and, do- like, the existence of Doomsday in uh, in Batman vs. Superman, I think Batman kind of recognizes that a lot of these, uh, these threats, like, can't be handled uh, without Superman. Um, and I think, yeah... I th- I think def- seeing Batman uh, as like, as he says a few times in the movie like operating a little bit more on faith in this movie, um, I think it worked for me. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just don't really have much else to say with that. I, like I think he was just so desperately trying to bring Superman back because he blamed himself and because he thought like genuinely thought that that was the best shot that earth had uh at at surviving like the incoming like attack yeah for um, sure and in terms of like his vision and that kind of stuff i think like while they they don't like explain this or anything i think he just kind of might have chalked that up to him being paranoid 
Like, but he said he's like, I saw the Flash, and like I know, like he kn- and he doesn't. I think like just the order of that was really weird because they bring Superman back, and then they're like making plans mm-hmm. for like the final fight, and he's like he's talking to Wonder Woman. He's like, yeah, I had a vision about the Flash, and he came back and told me Lois was the key, and I think also. I don't think he said this, but it's like maybe you should have mentioned to the team that you had a vision about Superman just being a maniac. Yeah. Before like bringing him, like I just think that just, and that's I I feel like the original just handled that, explained that better, and I think explained the motivations that you were laying out. I think that would just explain better in this in the original. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Yeah. Um. So some. There's three three things I want to want to talk about before we wrap this up. First of all, the nightmare sequence. Secondly, what Zack Snyder's kind of like original plan was for the future of this, uh, and then af- after that, like what's actually going to happen moving forward. Um, so the nightmare sequence, as it's added into this, so like we get a little bit of it uh, in like uh, the kind of vision that uh, Cyborg has uh, when he's bringing Superman back. Um, there's just like a lot of shots of Darkseid invading and Wonder Woman on a on a funeral pyre and like Darkseid murdering uh, murdering Aquaman um, and there's there's one shot in there of Superman holding like a, a burned corpse uh, with Darkseid like putting his hand on his shoulder and we'll come back to that later because that that very specifically ties into where Zack Snyder was going. Um, but the, the nightmare sequence as it's added kind of like just onto the end of this movie, it's very apparent that this is the new material they shot. Um, I think it mostly works. Um, it was fun seeing, uh, just kind of like modern Ben Affleck as Batman. Cause like there's behind the scene shots of like him in the suit with like Zack Snyder, like wearing his mask and direct, like, it's very obvious that this was this just this past year that this was added. I think it's a really interesting concept. Um, I'm curious to see like what a kind of nightmare version, like the post-apocalyptic version of Justice League that they depict in this, what that would have looked like as its entire, like as like a fleshed out entire movie. Um, I thought Jared Leto's Joker uh, as he shows up was better than he was in, uh, than he was in Suicide Squad. I still wasn't entirely sold on him. Like he kind of just was a little weird. It was, it was, uh, kind of satisfying just like seeing that version of joker and that and that version of batman like interacting because like we never actually gotten that before so it was definitely just like fan service at that point um but like yeah i i kind of consider this sequence like separately of the movie itself because it kind of just feels more like a post-grad scene more than anything um, i feel like it in the epilogue like in the epilogue it kind of you kind of have like a pretty good ending where you like you see all the characters wrap up their arcs and then like superman ends it with like you know pulling away his shirt and you see the s and then it kind of cuts and then you get just all of this stuff at the end that i yeah i feel like doesn't really at all really line up with any of the rest of the movie and i think like it was cool and i was like i want to see more of that but like I'm sick of just letting Zack Snyder tricking me into wanting more of his, <laughs> yeah. into more of his games because it just. I think the last hour in general, you know, it ends on a cliffhanger. I think it was very much just like, it's Zack Snyder like, trying to be like, you want to see a sequel for this maybe and like I see. I, I view that less of him actively being like that yeah. and more like this is what the original movie was going to be for sure. Um, and it, 
I just it just felt like a weird way to wrap it up. Yeah. I assumed it was going to, I think what would have been cooler or better is just, and talking a little bit about the vision that cyborg has, I was like, that's really cool. Like that's, yeah, like that's very just visceral and dark. And I like the direction that that's going. Yeah. Um, And I kind of assumed that it was going to be like, they fail. And then like, we see kind of this nightmare sequence unfold a little bit more in depth and then like the flash goes back in time yeah. and fixes it or something like that. I, I think because I, I would like to spend more time in that in that possible future because I thought it was cool and seeing like I really like the flash's design in that scene. Yeah. Um, I was like Deathstroke being here is really interesting and like Mira and I was like yeah I like that but we're never going to see anything more about this. So Yeah. Um, so Regarding like what Zack Snyder wanted to do with this, um, which you can find much more in-depth details about this online, but so I guess in Austin right now there's a there's like a a display where so way back in 2016, like around the time Batman vs Superman came out, uh, Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio uh, just kind of took took some whiteboards and like wrote out like their entire like plan for this five film arc that was man of steel batman vs superman and then a trilogy of three justice league movies um and there's definitely like already like changes made from that to this version because like it was in that kind of like outline that like all the stuff with like uh bruce wayne and uh lois lane kind of like having a romantic relationship like that's what that's from um but what we what we see from that is that so they tease in this movie that like Lois Lane's pregnant. Um, like mm-hmm. you see a pregnancy test and at the very end, like when she's going into the house, like she's carrying like a bassinet. Um, so, and, and like and, and Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Bruce is like, congratulations. Like, yeah. Very so like, yeah. So it's kind of like they're hinting that she's pregnant. Um, not so subtly. Um, but apparently in the, in the next film, which was going to be like dark side kind of coming to earth and also Lex Luthor forming the injustice league, um, like kind of working with dark side to do so, I guess. I don't know. It was weird and complicated. Um, but at one point, uh, like Batman is put in charge of protecting Lois Lane while Superman goes off to fight dark side. And then like Superman gets tricked, uh, and dark side, like boom tubes over to Lois Lane, uh, and Batman can't stop him. Uh, so dark side, very kind of ruthlessly murders Lois like a pregnant Lois Lane um and that's kind of like the shot we see of Superman holding like uh like the the burned corpse and so that's that's him holding like yeah um and so obviously that kind of like breaks him and then at that point uh Darkseid already had like the anti-life equation and so since Superman was in that like very vulnerable state he was able to kind of like put that on Superman and like kind of hypnotize him i guess to like come to like dark side's team mm-hmm. um and then that would kick off the whole nightmare sequence the whole nightmare future which then would be like set up with at the end of justice league 2 and then that would be the majority of the movie of justice league 3 of them trying to go back and like fix this um which definitely kind of sounds similar to the infinity war Endgame mm-hmm. uh kind of dynamic um but yeah so that's Okay, there's a lot more details um, that you can find online with that, but that's kind of like that specific arc. That's what he was trying to do, um, which it's interesting that he like was setting that up as far in advance as 
Batman versus Superman with the nightmare sequence and flashes coming back in that. Um, because like in the nightmare sequence, we get in this version of justice league, like where the team is going at that point is there like gathering the materials needed to build the cosmic treadmill for the flash in order to travel back in time like that. Um, and so that was kind of going to be like the, the driving force of the team there um, throughout those movies. And I think that all sounds really interesting and it definitely would not have been uh, the most uh, general audience friendly story yeah. for justice league. Yeah. Like it, I, I, if it had gone through the entire way that they had initially planned it to, I do not think it would. I don't think it would have worked for general audiences. I like, I would have enjoyed it, but it definitely would not have been super successful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's, that's that. Um, do you have any thoughts on that before we move into what they're actually doing moving forward? Yeah. I mean, I think like I've said, Zack Snyder is great at coming up with concepts and like hitting like great moments um but i have many questions about his just execution in general so i think i like the idea of that mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know exactly how well that would have worked so yeah um as far as like a lot of people have been saying that they need to like hashtag restore the snyderverse is kind of the 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 new hashtag um they're they're not coming back to this uh, some Warner Brothers executive had like an interview with Variety the other day where they kind of were very specific as like they see this as Zack Snyder kind of concluding his trilogy of DC movies um, and that they're just going to keep moving forward with what they're doing and what they're doing now is kind of just having like a series of loosely connected kind of like standalone movies that they can build on each other but they're not like intensely tied together. Um, which I think has worked pretty well over the past few years. Like that's given us Aquaman. That's given us Shazam. Um, I think birds of prey, um, as I will have mentioned in the past, we're recording this prior to the podcast, but I think, uh, birds of prey w worked for the most part. Um, but yeah, so I'm curious to see like how well this, uh, this kind of mindset works for DC moving forward. I think that there is a non-zero chance that this that the Snyderverse in some fashion gets continued on HBO Max because this thing has been a massive hit for HBO Max. Like it's like dominated the conversation for almost a week now, um, and apparently uh, we haven't gotten any specific numbers, but apparently HBO Max subscriber growth has like skyrocketed in the past week. Um, so I think that there is a chance that whether it be like a series or some like a TV series or whatever that they end up doing something um, just because I think the success of this is a little too enticing to ignore. Um, and HBO max is a completely different entity from Warner brothers film division. Um, and so like, even if they don't want to make movies with that, they don't really have a, I guess a choice if HBO max decides to do something. Um, I still am not hopeful for that. Um, but it's a possibility. Um, do you have any, kind of concluding thoughts here dave um yeah i mean like i think it's very clear we have very different thoughts on this i i'm just kind of I'm, I'm i'm i think i just have justice league burnout now and i'm like i don't need to see any more of this um i i don't know i have a few um very small notes that I just kind of want to run through really quickly because yeah. I just think they're kind of funny out of context. So, so yeah, I like while while watching, I just went through like I was just 
taking notes and some of them just like don't really make sense out of context um but then just really specific things um so it's four hours and two minutes and first of all i think like this could have been like three hours and i think i think a lot of it could have been i think i i agree yeah i think the reason that all of that wasn't cut is because i think Zack snyder was just trying to give fans everything yeah um i think because people have been calling for this for years i think he prioritized like just giving fans kind of what they're looking for over kind of cutting it down to kind of a more palpable film i guess um so yeah so it's four hours and two minutes and i wrote um i'm glad it's four hours and two minutes instead of four hours so we could have two minutes of icelandic people singing and staring out (laughs) at the water (laughs) there's a there's like they added on when aquaman and Batman are having their conversation and he's trying to recruit him. And then like Aquaman jumps into the ocean and then like the Icelandic people in this village just like start singing a little song yeah. while they, while someone like picks up his sweater and sniffs it. Yeah. Um, and Batman just kind of looks at the water and I was just like, I don't know why we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Um, I wrote just a bunch of gray boys because <laughs> there's there's uh, Steppenwolf and there's Dasad, who's just kind of like I think I would have rather just like he's just reporting to Steppen like he's just reporting the dark side the whole time. I think that would have been would have been better. But yeah, just a uh, DC in general. This is not just a Zack Snyder thing. They love their their gray, smoky or blobby or like kind of stone looking big monsters at the end like that's like that's really just what they're doing um uh the flash is here to explain things to idiots is what (laughs) um when like cyborg is giving a bunch of exposition about like how he's he was created and he like he's running like whenever they explain a plan the flash is kind of like rehashes that in like really simple words and he's like so you're saying it's this and i'm like yeah they're like that's like what they just <laughs> said like when cyborg um he he's talking about how he was created and he's like oh this this scientist like brought me back to life using the mother boxes and like he goes into it really in depth and he's like they at the end i don't know why i guess this is a, a reveal for the justice league i mean like we already knew the audience but he's like that researcher was my father and then the flash just goes so your dad brought you to back to life with one of those things? And I was like, yeah. Like, that's what he just, like, he just spent three minutes explaining this. So I just thought, like, that was just funny. And <laughs> just, yeah. like, that's why The Flash irritated me so much, because he would just kind of restate things that had already been said in, like, a very simple way. Yeah. I don't really have much of a retort to that. Yeah. Like, I, again, yeah. I think the character just worked for me. Um, well, you're wrong, Kyle. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> I, I, the, so... I guess my just kind of general closing thoughts on this are Mm. like, so obviously this movie worked a lot better for me than it did for you. Sure. Um, And I think that I kind of like acknowledge a lot of like the the same issues that you brought up, um, but they just kind of didn't really bother me. I think I give a little bit more leeway to the movie just because it is so purely just Zack Snyder's vision. Mm -hmm. Like he's not trying to like adhere that to to whatever anyone else wants. Um, And I think I just respect that. Like I... Sure. um, as I've said a few times, I'm a massive fan of Man of Steel and I enjoy Batman vs Superman. So I think getting to see kind of that specific vision of these characters followed through on in this manner just makes me really happy. It just it makes the the inner DC like child in me just 
ecstatic that in my opinion we have a fantastic justice league movie like that just makes me i i I honestly never thought like this would exist Um, after the 2017 version of justice league was as mediocre to bad as it was i never thought they would go back to justice league and that kind of just was depressing and so it just having like what I again what I consider to be like a a truly like great Justice League movie a movie that like is worthy of the name Justice League it just makes me very very happy um as as a DC fan and as someone that grew up like watching the animated Justice League series like all the time like it just yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a thoroughly satisfied with this movie um well yeah. Kyle I I do not want to take away from any of your happiness, and I do not want to say that you are wrong. Um, I think you certainly, like, I think this is, I've seen a wide range of thoughts on this. I think there are a ton of people who loved it as much as you do, and, like, I really wish I did. I, like, really wanted to love this movie, um, and I just was, like, very disappointed that I didn't. Um, but, hey, I mean, I think it happened um i i guess i'm happy it did um I, i'm glad i'm glad that you had a lot of enjoyment out of it i this is something that i said to kyle before we started recording i think however heated the scott i think we can respect each other and, and respect our opinions and, and 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 hopefully kyle this doesn't ruin our no forever, i think so. even though we have very different opinions on this i think this has been a pretty healthy discussion i think it, I think it has been um one thing that we can agree on, though, about this movie is it's better than the 2017 version. Or, yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, are you going to... For, for, for a split second there, I thought you were going to disagree with that. And, and I was were, like, he, he forget was, everything yeah. I just said. Yeah. You're dead to me. It's definitely better. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, on that note, this has been, I think, episode 44 of Cinebraskans, the Daily Nebraskan Entertainment Podcast. As always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host, David Berman. And Mia Everding earlier. I think we should have Mia uh, just say, and I'm Mia Everding. Um, And just you insert that in right here. Mia Everding. Cool. Thanks, Mia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. See ya.